and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. He sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty articulate. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Wednesday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. At least one of us is here in the studios. The other one is all the way across the country in Tennessee. Wolf, what's going on out there? Hey, how you doing, Luke? Man, it's going really, really well out here in Nashville, Tennessee. You can see so many people walking around right now, and every one of them looks like a country and western music star. All right, I'm just telling you right now. And maybe it's the beard. You look all around you. You see people with beards. I have no idea, but this has got to be the beard capital of the world. A lot of people walking around. Some of them have bushy eyebrows. A lot of them walking around in 10-gallon hats. We're in Nashville, Luke, and it feels real good. What a beautiful morning it was, by the way. 71 degrees. 71 degrees this morning. It got into the 60s, as a matter of fact, overnight. And then we all paid for it as we stood out there in the beating sun and melted in the humidity as the temperature just skyrocketed. So wait, don't bury the lead here. Does this mean you're going to come back to Phoenix with a beard after this game on Saturday? (laughs) I will not have a beard. I will not. But I can tell you right now, my face is going to be red, beat red, because I forgot my stinking hat. Why in the world? You want to know why people walk around in cowboy hats and now? Nashville, Tennessee, because the sun will blow your face off if, in fact, it does if you don't wear it. I didn't wear it out there. It was brutal. I'm going to pay for it. I did find somebody that had some sunblock like halfway through practice, and I just put it all over my face. Now it's in my eyes. I literally just got off the car, got, got out of the car on this ride. I flew up here, forgot my glasses, had to go back down. Okay. Okay, way too much information. Is this your first right road here. trip ever? This, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It it just kind of feels that way this, right now because of COVID. This is COVID what we should messes do. Messes up everything. This is what we do, Wolf. This is uh, going forward because you're going to take what, however many of these, what eight of these throughout the season. You've already taken the one to uh, to Cincinnati for the the preseason game. We should just you got to do the research and dress up like the natives when you go there. So like you should have been prepared with a giant hat and a beard yeah, by the right. time you got to Tennessee. You're right, but man, what a good practice, Luke. What a good practice it was the joint practice going on between the Arizona Cardinals and of course the Tennessee Titans um, they didn't do a ton of teamwork they didn't uh, they did an awful lot of one-on-one uh, drills the offensive linemen of course and the defensive linemen I won't get into too much detail right now I will tell you though what it was that I saw out there a lot of one-on-one work with the offensive linemen and the defensive linemen that was good that was an excellent half hour they were working together so there's no doubt about it they uh, they knew they weren't going to do a ton of team so they really worked a lot on the individual right there the wide receivers one-on-one against 
against the DBs, of course. Man, you cannot take your eyes off D-Hop in that situation. He put on a clinic. I just want I just want to say that he put on a, this is the reason why I am in the top three conversation as the best wide receiver in the National Football League. Just incredible catches, stabbing the pig out of the air. Just a, a great job by Hop. Um, and then at the end, at the end of practice, um, let me back up a little. Um, they had team. They worked against each other, 11 on 11. And it was the Cardinals, of course, full gear against the Cardinals and the Titans on the other field against the Titans. And they're going at it and they're doing their stuff. And man, the tempo was really, really good. One of the best team, one of the best 11 on 11 periods I've seen from the Arizona Cardinals overall. It was the the temple that really caught my attention. Wow, okay. I don't know if it was because the Tennessee Titans were right there, but I do know they were getting it, Luke. And then they finished the practice with a two-minute, a team, two-minute against the Tennessee Titans. And they got in like a half hour of two-minute work at the end, 11-on-11. Going against the Titans. So even though it wasn't a hyper physical practice up until that point, man, at the end of that practice, that was tempo, baby. So no, no skirmishes, no disagreements, as you call them, no fights, nothing like that, right? No disagreements. Okay. No disagreements whatsoever. Um, <laughs> the reason why is rather obvious for the most part. They had offense. Of uh, offensive linemen and defensive linemen working against each other. And there is no longer the Oklahoma drill, right? You know that, of course. There is no <laughs> longer the Oklahoma, much to the chagrin of the Wolfley family. We are the Wu Fang clan. Uh, we weep. That was the day that we lost our hearts when, when Oklahoma was declared a, a to be, um, something that was outlawed by, let's say, oh, I don't know, Roger Goodell. Today is um, the first day of real hitting. Yeah, thank Full you, pads, Roger. full contact. Right, Roger. The day's highlight much. is the Oklahoma drill. <laughs> Football at its most fundamental. Yes, but you know what they did do? They actually had each guy, offensive lineman and defensive lineman, lock up, had them lock up in a run block position and then blew the whistle and had the other guy try to Jack the other guy. Okay, so almost. So, That's like yeah. the, I don't know, the Missouri drill or something. Yeah, exactly. Let's rename it something else. But then they move from that to actually doing pass protection. And the tempo was really, really good. Man, I cannot, I cannot tell you how excellent the tempo was and the practice was overall. You know, I went in thinking, oh my goodness, this is going to be a patty cake, patty cake, baker's man. And uh, yes, it was not nearly as physical as what I'm accustomed to when you practice with another team. Yes, it wasn't 1985. <laughs> yes, it was not. It was... 2022, but they got after it, especially at the end.
Anybody of note that was not out there, Wolf, anybody we need to be concerned about? Because it feels like the injuries are mounting on this team, despite the fact that they're not playing all their guys in the preseason games anyway. It still seems like they're taking on more injuries than normal. you know, it really wasn't. I didn't notice the guys that weren't out there. I noticed the guys that were. Rodney Hudson was in full gear. Now, Rodney Hudson didn't get any work. He didn't get any teamwork whatsoever. But Rodney Hudson was in full gear, and he was out there going through some of the individual in the in the drills. Um, Cody Ford. Cody Ford ran with the ones as the left tackle because Justin Pugh. Okay, that's it right there. Justin Pugh did not practice. He was held out. Um Cody Ford was the guy that stepped in at left guard. And can I just tell you right now, I've got a picture of Cody Ford. I'm debating as to whether or not I should tweet this thing out. <laughs> I'm debating it. Um, I I thought Will Hernandez had a base. <laughs> Cody Ford <laughs> has got nothing but base. Um, really incredible. I might be forced to do that. Will Hernandez practiced Good. as well. Max Williams practiced. It was it was good, man. It was good overall. I'm sorry I'm all over the place right now, but uh, I've got to sit down and I've got to hydrate because I'm dehydrated and I've got junk like SP30 dripping in my eyes. Yeah, you're not supposed to put that in your eyes. Um, I know it's just brutal. No, you can't. You can't like sunscreen your eyes. You can't protect that from the uh, from the sun. Uh, I had other questions, but I guess I'm just going to ask them throughout the show while you while you gather yourself here and we hit the break. But Wolf, here's the good. News, though, looking at the schedule, if we do this where you have to you prepare and you dress up like you're going to the city you're going to next, next is Vegas. So you can just dress like Elvis. You'll be fine. <laughs> You'll be all set. Appreciate that, Luke. Yeah, I'm looking out for you. All right. Uh, when we come back, we'll get into a little bit of basketball. First text jersey to 620-620 for your chance to win the brand new Phoenix Suns Nike Classic Edition jersey celebrating the 30th anniversary of the 92-93 Suns team. That's jersey to 620-620. Speaking of the Suns, very strange offseason for the Suns. Will they be able to just move on now with the same group? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Yeah, uh-huh. you know what it is. Emma Finback, Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Black and yellow, yeah, you know what it is. It is the Wolf and Luke show here on this Wednesday morning. Wolf is in Tennessee, but he's there for a good reason. He didn't like just get lost and end up in Tennessee. He is in Tennessee for the Cardinals joint practice with the Titans this morning. All right, Wolf, we are also now dealing with the aftershocks of the Phoenix Suns. I don't know if they got used as leverage by Kevin Durant. I don't really know what he got out of all this. You and I don't believe that everything is just perfectly sewn up in Brooklyn, but I was surprised after the show yesterday how many other people do seem to just believe hey everything's fine in brooklyn it'll just be this way and everything's good and they're gonna win titles uh i'm i'm still skeptical and i feel like you are too yeah, no, I'm I'm going to remain in that skeptical category right here in regard to this because you, you don't call for another man's job. Say it's you know it's Steve Nash and it's Sean Marks or I'm not 
coming back. You don't do that unless there's some real issues, at least from your perspective, real issues that are there, and then you just dismiss that. I think that still is a very untenable situation, yet at the same time, the Brooklyn Nets need Kevin Durant, I think, to actually be an ally in the trade scenarios that are out there right now, so he's got to play nice and play with the Brooklyn Nets so they can actually get maximum value for him in some kind of trade. So yeah. I think that's what's going on. It, it definitely, that, that was my first reaction too. Here's Woj yesterday explaining what exactly changed because you know we joked about it yesterday, Wolf, and I, I'll, I'll say it again. It felt like it was like Durant went to Joe Sy and said, it didn't feel like this, this is what happened. He's like, okay, I'm not coming back if Sean Marks and Steve Nash are there. And then they all sit down at dinner, and Sean Marks and Steve Nash are there, and Durant's like, why are they here? I said it was either them or me. And Joe Sy's like, what about them and you? And all of a sudden, Durant was just, okay, that's fine. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't add up to me. Here's Woj. You look at the facts here. Brooklyn was not close to a trade for Kevin Durant. The trade market, I think, for both Kevin Durant and uh, the Nets, I think was not what they all thought it might be. And I think Kevin Durant looked not only at uh, the uncertainty of, of not being able to really control with the trade off, with the trade request, where he would go with four years left on his deal. Brooklyn could trade him anywhere, uh, but also the team he had coming back uh, in Brooklyn, uh, Kyrie Irving on board, uh, ready to go this season, uh, a rapidly recovering Ben Simmons, you know, who's uh, expected to be ready for the start of the season. And then a healthy Joe Harris. Go down the lineup. This is a very good Nets team. Yeah, look, I have all the respect in the world for Woj, and I understand he's just reporting what's what's going on. But I, <laughs> those guys were already there, Wolf. Kevin Durant wanted out of there two weeks ago. I, I'm not saying that he's going to get traded tomorrow, but four more years in Brooklyn? Yeah. There's, there's just there's no way. But the bigger deal now, if you are a Suns fan or if you're the Phoenix Suns, is how are you moving on from this? Like, you know, Gambo had the, the, he came on with us yesterday and was like, look, they, they're looking at maybe adding a power forward. I still feel like they need to add some sort of backup to Chris Paul. But for the most part, you have your pieces from a team that went to the championship two years ago and set a franchise record for wins last year. So your biggest focus might have to be just getting everybody together and being like, look, it was a weird offseason. It was a weird offseason for DeAndre Ayton. It was a weird offseason for Mikael Bridges, probably for Cam Johnson. It was just weird how they even went into the offseason season i think you got to talk all this stuff out before game one well yeah there and there's no doubt they're going to do that look there's no doubt they're going to have a team meeting they're going to sit down and they're going to have it out there is absolutely no question about that and it's not just because of what has happened this offseason it's because of what happened against the dallas mavericks that, that right yeah. there, to me, once again, has got to be fleshed out. That has got to be talked about. That has got to be resolved. They have to address it, and I'm sure they already have. I I, I, I don't think there's any doubt about it, to me at least. They're not going to let that fester all off season. They had to get that addressed, whatever it was that brought the Phoenix Suns down. It was a, a disruption of their culture. And see, this is the reason why they got to sit there and talk about it again. Not talk about 
what happened against the Dallas Mavericks, but talk about what they're going to do going forward now. Now that Kevin Durant doesn't appear to be coming to the Phoenix Suns, we're going to run it back. Okay, we've got to get our culture back if we're going to run it back because our culture was so much of what we did and who we were last year that we have to get that back first. That's got to be job one for Monty Williams and James Jones, making sure they repair their culture. And the Kevin Durant scenario and the Kevin Durant trade scenario had an awful lot to do with fraying the perimeter of that culture. Yeah, maybe this is one of those you know situations that that teaches you to appreciate what you have ultimately. I don't know. I mean, the Suns had to go or at least do their due diligence on trying to get Durant if that was an option. And for a while there it certainly was an option. Doesn't seem like it is now. I still think it will be in like a year, but I I think that the bigger deal is to focus on what you have and really embrace it if you're the Suns because you did have a 64-win team. But that culture you're talking about, Wolf, that always, at least at least from, from my perspective, seemed to come pretty easily to this team. Yeah. And now they're going to – maybe it's not going to take forever, but now they're going to kind of have to work at it because it's not just Durant. Like, you can't bl- just blame this on Durant. Like you said, the way things frayed at the end of the season, that's got to be addressed too. And I, and I get maybe you don't all sit down after Game 7 because probably everybody just wanted a break from basketball if they weren't going to be competing for, for right. an actual NBA title anymore. But before you play that next game against the Dallas Mavericks, everybody better say what's on their mind because that was a weird ending to the season and this has been a very awkward offseason. And here's the other thing, too, as well. You know, everyone's worried about Mikel Bridges. I'm not worried about Mikel Bridges because Mikel Bridges, um, the man that he is, he, I see him as an island. <laughs> the way he goes about his business. Yeah, he's fine. His, his demeanor, too, and his toughness. He is so tough and physical and engages in, in playing the game of basketball with everything he's got. I honestly don't think it's going to impact him. Him or even Cam Johnson that much. I don't think that it is. We'll see. I don't think it's going to impact them. I think it's more just your your culture and your chemistry last season was such a strength for you. Yeah. I don't think it's going to hurt you this year, but you, you really need it to be a strength for you. I, I, and, and so they need to get back to that point, whatever that is. I don't think it'll be super difficult. I mean, if you, you listen to the fans, the, the Suns fans that we had call in on Friday, uh, look at just Suns fans anywhere on social media. I, I think Suns fans in general... Like, majoritively are like, that's fine. We liked our team the way it was. It was a very likable team. Would it have been cool to get Kevin Durant? Yeah, you got to do that if you, if you have the chance. Doesn't sound like the chance is, is, is there anymore, though. So I don't think it's going to be that difficult for Suns fans to get back on board. I think the players and, and the coaching staff are obviously going to be back on board. It's just a matter of making sure something that was a strength last year is still a strength this year. Yeah, and sometimes, Luke, too, you, you've got to – these young guys like Mikel Bridges, these young guys like Cam Johnson, these young guys that have been whispered and bantied about in regard to the trade scenario, sometimes it's good for you. It is to be reminded. I've talked about this before, but it's the truth, Luke. To be reminded of the mercenary league that you play in and the fact that you are a mercenary – it is, it is, you know, it's Mikal Bridges, Inc. 
Okay? <laughs> That's what it is. You're a mercenary. Sometimes it's really, really good to be reminded of that. Yes, you got to fit within this team structure. Yeah, you got to fit in the culture and the chemistry, of course, of the Phoenix Suns. It's a big part of who they are. Yet at the same time, never forget your lot in life and who you are. You are a mercenary in one of the biggest mercenary leagues in the history of mankind. Well, yeah, and the end of last year, too, also showed that you can't just ride friendship to an NBA title. So, I mean, there's certainly Correct. something to what you're saying. Uh, but it is nice. I mean, you're going to have the triplets back if you're a Suns fan. You're going to have Mikel Bridges and DeAndre Ayton and Cam Johnson back. Now, where it's going to be awkward, Wolf, is not here in Phoenix. It's going to be awkward in Brooklyn. This is Jay Williams this morning talking about the very strange situation Steve Nash now finds himself in. Steve Nash is on the hot, hot, <laughs> hot seat because it was only a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, that Kevin Durant gave Joe Sy an ultimatum by saying, Hey, look, I'll come back if Steve Nash and Sean Marks are not here. But now Steve Nash being there, what position does that put him in? And the accountability that you need Steve Nash to hold. I still do not think that Steve Nash, who is a great person, a Hall of Fame basketball player, has a very high basketball IQ, is the answer. I do believe that he lacks an experience to help those three work collectively together. And by the way, we will see in the first month and a half, two months of the season, if he is well-equipped enough to do that. But I don't think he will be. Well, if that has to be from Kevin Durant, that all ultimatum that was two weeks ago has to be the worst ultimatum in the history of ultimatums. Like, if you're going to deliver an ultimatum, you have to at least follow through on it for a couple weeks, don't you? Yeah, can I just say this too quickly right here? This is exactly what I'm talking about in regard to Kevin Durant and why I'm souring on Kevin Durant. It's a passive-aggressive move, isn't it? In a hyper-aggressive alpha male world, it's a passive-aggressive move to suddenly meet with the owner and say, it's me or them. And oh, by the way, let's release this information to the world that I told you that. It's either me or them. That's a passive-aggressive move by a passive-aggressive guy in a hyper-aggressive paradigm. I still, that's why I don't like it. still do not understand what he got out of all this. You know what I mean? Like, nothing he asked for happened, and so you would think he would either stick to it or something would have happened by now, like he would have been moved. And instead, it's just like everything is right back to where they were when they got swept by Boston at the end of last season, which that's fine. That's their problem now. And, you know, hey, if he wanted to get in Steve Nash's face and Sean Mark's face and say, you know what? It's you or me. I'm not staying. Here. That's a little bit different. That's different. Yeah. But again, to tell the owner of that, man, uh, this is look, KD, I love him in terms of the player that he is. But man. It's hard to respect a guy who I think brings an awful lot of drama. Would have been nice to have a talent like that on the Suns, but the the next best case scenario is just that he stays in Brooklyn. It's not like you have to compete with him. He's not on Golden State. He was never going to Golden State, but he, it's not like he's on Memphis. It's not like it's, it's on a team in the West you have to deal with now. And so now we can all just sit back, focus on the Suns, and enjoy watching the soap opera in Brooklyn just completely fall apart, because it will. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620, right? Right now we come back, another offensive lineman has been added to the injury report for the Cardinals. So just how concerned are we with that O-line room at this point? It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
All right, it is the Wolf and Luke show. The Arizona Cardinals, one more preseason game Saturday in Tennessee against the Titans. Wolf, the Cardinals have made a clear choice to not play many of their guys, even second stringers really, in these preseason games to avoid some injuries. And yet here we are with a bunch of injuries on the offensive line. So what's going on? Yeah, you know, the offensive line uh, looked pretty good today, as a matter of fact. Uh, Rodney Hudson was in full gear. Um, now, again, he didn't, go, he didn't do any teamwork. It wasn't like he was engaging in the 11-on-11 drills. He was not. But he was in full gear out there, and he was actually getting some snaps um, against air, yes. But he looked really good. He looked like he was moving well. Um, maybe it's just a conditioning thing at this point in time, trying to get him back into shape, but it was good to see Rodney Hudson out there. Uh, Justin Pugh, of course, he didn't go. Um, Justin Pugh is, I'm not too concerned about what is going on with Pugh right now, but I was really jacked up to actually see Justin Pugh walking around the sidelines, and suddenly there's Cody Ford. He was talking to Cody Ford, and Cody Ford took the first team reps, as a matter of fact, at left guard, and looking at Will Hernandez, who was out there as well. We know he had an ankle, and he was banged up. But Will Hernandez at right guard and Cody Ford at left guard? <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, man, that is... That's about 670 of, pounds, isn't it, between the two a, of them? That's a lot of beef jerky right there, Luke. That's, <laughs> there's a lot of beef jerky out there. And I, I like that. I like what I saw from the offensive line. Beach, of course, was starting. DJ Humphreys, they, he started and, of course, went out and played very, very well. And, you know, not only the 11-on-11 situation that they had at the end of practice, but also in the one-on-ones. Yeah, the, the Justin Pugh stuff that came out, out yesterday it was it was right after you left basically this was cliff after practice yesterday talking about pew uh, i had a stinger and then he said he's getting checked out he's getting checked out right now um so i don't have much on that but we'll see uh how that plays out next week i have to readjust to i have to recalibrate wolf to the cliff kingsbury like we're basically in in the season now his sound bites that might be like two seconds <laughs> but yeah. uh look that was concerning yesterday it shed a little light on on maybe why they they looked for a guy like Cody Ford and got him because that was the biggest thing, right? The Cody Ford trade looks fine. You give up a fifth round pick. Who cares? You got a guy that was a high second round pick just a couple years ago. The biggest two questions were, why was he available and why were the Cardinals even looking for an offensive lineman? Like, why did they make the call in the first place? Maybe we get a little clarity with uh, with Pew dealing with the uh, injury, but you said you're not too concerned about it as in terms of yeah. week one at least. Yeah, I'm not too concerned about it. A stinger, of course. I mean, that is something that an offensive lineman gets. That's something that a a fullback will get. Something that a Mike linebacker will get. Anybody that is engaging in the essence of the game of football, which is trying to run the other guy over and doing it at full speed in the trenches inside the box. That typically is an injury that you recover from quickly. Now, again, you don't want to just dismiss it. Well, he's got a stinger. You know what? Because that stinger can turn into a bigger issue and a bigger problem. Uh, I think they're trying to 
really be very, very careful in regard to Justin Pugh and how they handle it for the rest of this preseason because, again, as we've seen, Cliff has no problem whatsoever sitting anybody down in the preseason to get them ready to go for week one. Well, yeah, and when you and I were talking about this a few weeks ago and you're looking at the Cardinals' offensive line and you know, it kind of came to the conclusion, okay, it's probably an above-average offensive line. Is it one of the top three or four elite ones? No, but it's not. It's not going to be a detriment on this team. It one hasn't of the, been. No, especially since Sean Coogler got here. And, and one of the reasons that I was so encouraged by it was you always have that hope going into the season. Okay, here's your five guys, you know, your two or three depth guys or whatever. But what if you really don't deal with a lot of injuries? Wasn't it the Rams a couple of years ago when they went to the Super Bowl? I think it was the year they played the Patriots. Like their offensive line basically played every game together. Yeah. This, this Cardinals offensive line is good enough where if they kind of got like a nice little jolt of luck like that, where it was these same five, six guys playing together all season. I feel pretty good about this offensive line. But it's been a pretty tough route just to get to the start of the season with your main five guys healthy. It still could happen, but there's been a lot of ups and downs here over the last couple weeks. No, you're right about that. Um, you know, the one-on-one today, the pass rush drill that they actually did, the Arizona Cardinals offensive line against the Tennessee Titans defensive line, I was really, really impressed, man. I was encouraged. Um, Cody Ford in particular. Cody Ford, uh, this guy, uh, once again, if you took him from the waist down and just split him in half, his lower body has got to be 300 and a no, we lost Wolf, right, as he was about to say. Let me see if I can finish the sentence. His lower is, half. There we go. It, it is. It's incredible, this guy and how thick this guy is once again. And um, he did a great job on Jeffrey Simmons. Now, you know Jeffrey Simmons, of course. You're talking about a, a bull of a man for the Tennessee Titans lining up as a three technique. He's, he's one of the, if not, in my opinion, the best three techniques in the National Football League. He's very, very physical. He's very hard, very quick, moves very well for a big man. And Cody Ford split. He, he had two reps against him. The first one, Cody Ford won, clearly. Just totally dropped him. And the second one, I would say Jeffrey Simmons got the edge on him right there. So um, I thought it was a great and very productive one-on-one for the offensive line. And the fact that Will Hernandez got a lot of reps out there, as Cody Ford did, um, I was really, really encouraged based on what I saw. DJ Humphreys doing a great job as the left tackle out there. I mean, the Tennessee Titans can get after you. That is the one thing about them. They do have a very good pass rush, underrated pass rush, I would say, for the most part. They can get after you, and the offensive line did well. All right, we come back. Two of the teams in the NFC West obviously have their quarterbacks locked in. The other two teams... It's getting weird. San Francisco and Seattle can't seem to figure this out, or they don't want to in one of those cases. We'll get into that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Well, if I know it was a, a long offseason for Cardinals fans, there was a lot of roller coaster riding as far as the Kyler Murray contract. Now it's done. And when you look around, you don't even have to look around the league. You can just look around this division. 
How great is it to have your quarterback of the present and future locked up for a while? Look no further than San Francisco and especially Seattle right now. Yeah, oh my goodness, I know, you know, especially in the NFC West, uh, the quarterback situation for the most part was one of complete stability a year ago. When you think of Russell Wilson, of course, being up in Seattle, and you think of Jimmy G, Jimmy G, of course, in San Francisco, and Matthew Stafford, and of course, the Cardinals having Kyler Murray, it was a very stable position in the NFC West, and it is destabilized. So this let's start with the San Francisco scenario because that's obviously the team that is is much more in direct competition with the Cardinals if you if you believe the Cardinals can make the playoffs probably going to have to finish ahead of or at least right there with San Francisco. I I mean it's not inconceivable three teams from this division make the playoffs, but San Francisco is a weird one and Kyle Shanahan was asked yesterday if uh if Jimmy G could end up being on the team when the regular season starts cuz he still hasn't been dealt yet, Wolf. Sh- uh, Shanahan's response response was, I think any scenario is possible. So continuing to sort of leave things more ambiguous than you would like if you're Trey Lance, then this is Brett Favre on the 33rd team saying, I, look, I would just go with Jimmy G. He's better now. I would go with Garoppolo. It's not as splashy, not near as splashy. He wasn't their first round pick. And no, no offense towards Trey Lance, but what Jimmy has done is win and win 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 again not flashy so it's not the glamorous pick but my goodness the guy has won and put him in a position to go or compete for the super bowl year in and year out and deserves that right to to keep playing but i think their defense is really good barring injury offensively if trey plays the way they hope and is capable of then you know they're they're competing for it right there at the end. There's a tremendous upside with Trey. There's no question about it. But Jimmy G has, has been a proven winner, and and that's uh, oftentimes. And I said this earlier. Oftentimes that gets overlooked is a guy a winner. The Garoppolo is definitely a winner. Look, Wolf. I'm sure some of this is you can look at Brett Favre and at a certain point in his career with the Packers, they decided, hey, let's go with the guy with even more upside than Aaron Rodgers. And I'm sure Brett Favre, it, <laughs> it makes sense that he would feel this way, right? And he was also better than Jimmy G. But but yes, also, but there's some truth to what he's saying, though. Don't you? I mean, if I'm the 49ers, I would be going for it now, not trying to justify my draft pick. Yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of things you got to consider, though. How much money Jimmy G is making, how much you're going to pay him, and when that window of opportunity for Trey Lance. This is not a shock by any stretch of of the imagination that Brett Favre has an issue with the young guy getting the opportunity (laughs) to play. I mean, this is is so right down the middle of the fairway for Brett Favre. So, listen, Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan saying, hey, anything's possible. I love that. That is like my favorite answer to any question, because when you say anything is possible, any scenario, it it validates somebody's question. It says your question is a valid question, um, but I'm not going to answer it. (laughs) It's the most immediate answer ever. (laughs) (laughs) Anything could happen. Anything is possible. Any scenario that you can imagine that you could offer me, it's still on the table with us. I mean, it's just such a a safe answer and an expected answer by Kyle Shannon. Can you imagine 
if Trey Lance doesn't pan out for the 49ers. Like, if he does, what I think is going to happen this year, I don't think he's going to be great, but I don't think he's going to be bad. I think the team around him is, is so good that they're going to be able to cover cover up for most of his mistakes. And, and generally speaking, the Niners are going to be basically what they were last year with Jimmy G. But but if if he goes out there and just isn't good and they, and they just whiffed after trading up, I mean, they could have used that draft capital and other pieces to make the teams around Jimmy G stronger last year and this year. If they whiffed on Trey Lance, that is going to be it's going to be an all timer in terms of of what you potentially did for your team. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, but here's the thing: I mean, it's not going to be decided this year. No, it's not. They're going to have to, and this is the reason why they made the move when they did because they know they want to give this guy every opportunity, every chance to actually develop into the quarterback they think he was because they. They went after him. They went after him, and to your point, they moved up three first-round picks to get Trey Lance. And, man, they drafted him super high, obviously. So they think he's all that in a bag of chips. They're going to give him every opportunity to prove them wrong. All right, so going to the Kyle Shanahan school of quarterbacking, but but even taking it to another level, you got the 49ers who are saying, yeah, look, these guys might both be on the roster. Well, if you go over to Seattle, Pete Carroll is saying, yeah, these guys might both play. So they asked him whether he would consider playing both Geno Smith and Drew Locke. Carroll's answer, and this, this might even be more median, was, quote, that could happen. Yeah, that could happen, unquote. <laughs> there it is, though. See, I mean, what I love about that is it, it validates the question, does it not? I, I guess. It, it's an affirmative to your question. And regard, you're right, yeah, that could happen. Boy, what a horrible Anything. decision that would be, by the way. Anything could happen. This is, the old saying is out there, right? If if you've got two quarterbacks, that means you don't have one. And I am one of those guys that I sit in that camp firmly. If you've got two and you're going to play two, it means you don't have one quarterback. And um, it's really going to be interesting to see who gets the start. I still think it is going to be Geno Smith. I think he's going to get the start. Pete Carroll, if you listen to Pete, um, he's effusive in his praise of Geno. So I think he's going to get the opportunity to go out there and play. Uh, I'm looking at the the FanDuel odds for who's going to have the worst record in the NFL this year. And Seattle right now is third behind Houston and Atlanta. This is Pete Carroll yesterday saying he's not ready to pick one of these guys yet. Gino's been the guy in the lead position the whole time. And I protected that thought with, uh, you know, throughout. And, and he's done a really nice job. He's been very consistent. Um, so we'll just see what happens. And, and, you know, there's two more weeks of practice, too, after this. So there's where the timeline, I had a set thought on the, I mean, what we would do with the timeline, but that got disrupted. And so um, we're, you know, we're going to use all the time we need. Would you ever consider playing two quarterbacks at once? That, that can happen. That can happen. Have you ever done that? Not. No. Not not really. Not with the same sense. These guys are so even right now that you know um, that we have we have a lot of respect for both their play. And so, uh, but I'm not thinking that way right now. I'm thinking of getting going and getting started, ready to roll, and, and all of that. Um, and Gino's in the mentality has been in that mentality the whole time, and that's that was very much by design. Well, the one thing that the one thing that doesn't add up here is. 
okay, if you're Seattle and you're just saying, we're going to run out there with Geno Smith and Drew Locke, we're not going to go try and get Jimmy G. We're not going to go try and get anybody that was available. We're not going to try and get Baker Mayfield, obviously, because they didn't. That, to me, screams a team that is like, look, we want Bryce Young. We want C.J. Stroud. We want we want like our next quarterback in this upcoming draft. But I can't imagine Pete Carroll thinking that way, where he's like, oh, yeah, I'm totally ready to sit here and wait through a rebuild. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I honestly, you know, the way I feel about this, I thought that Pete Carroll was going to walk out that door when Russell Wilson left and Bobby Wagner left as well. I thought that was it. You know, it's the end of an era. I had a great career. Thank you for the money. My my wife appreciates our Gucci, our Gucci card. We appreciate the bank account. Thank you very much. I thought he was going to turn the lights out on the way out the door. Um, that is not the case. I am surprised, but I do believe once again. You got Geno Smith and you got Drew Locke up there. They're competing for a position. Um, Yeah, it's a bad situation to be in, and I'll tell you why. Half the locker room probably wants Geno Smith to be the starter, and half the locker room wants Drew Locke to be the starter. If you've got two quarterbacks where they're that even, they're that good or bad in this case where they're, <laughs> that they're even. both very even and how you're evaluating them guess what you're gonna have a split locker room that is a horrible way to enter a season oh, it's great isn't it to see seattle like this like it's not like they they could have lost russell wilson but somehow had their quarterback of the future or maybe gotten him back in a trade instead they just have drew lock and geno smith if you're a cardinals fan i don't think you could have drawn that up any better uh we come back Speaking of the Cardinals, are they waiting too long to make a move for a cornerback? We're just a couple weeks away now from the start of the season. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.